0: Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington state. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek, University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one, only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join, and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life.
1: The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 296th episode. Yes, the 296th episode of Real Hawk Talk. We are closing in on 300. See if we can do something special for that episode. No promises, and every episode is special. I am Brian Emhouser, ad hoc blogger on Twitter, and we've got a full crew tonight. We've got such a traveling group that it is hard to get this whole group. Not all of these four folks you see on the screen are even going to be in the same place that they are currently before this game. Like, everyone's moving. Everyone's on the move. So, um, let me bring in the crew. I'm going to start with Dana O'Gorman, at Dana OG on Twitter. She just returned from some travel and is... Gonna push through some jet lag for all of you, Dana. How are you doing? Did did you uh did you get to watch this game at all while you were traveling? I did.
3: So, um, I was holed up in the Detroit airport yesterday, um, for a while for a layover. And so I propped my phone up on my bag and I sat there and I was, I watched the entire game, not even the condensed one. I watched the whole thing. My husband took this ridiculous picture of me and said, this is my wife catching up on work emails, which was me watching a football game. So, <laughs> But yeah, I did. I, I wanted to make sure I watched it before today and, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of fun to watch. I'm not going
0: that photo was so funny. That was so funny. Like you had a pure look. So my perception of the photo was like, I think you were super stressed out. But like, to me, it was a look of like, I can't believe like what I'm watching right now. It it, it felt like disgust, but maybe I'm wrong.
3: You know, it wasn't. It was just, I literally said to my husband, I said, I'm so glad I didn't have to watch this live because I'd have been so pissed through the whole thing. I'm so glad I knew how it turned out before I had to actually watch it.
0: It was just like the most serious
3: look of all time.
0: <laughs> I, it was fine.
3: I take my job seriously, Evan. Very I, seriously.
2: <laughs> I I do wonder sometimes, like at least especially for seasons like this, whether, you know, you know there's people that read that like the way they read a book is they read the last page and then mm-hmm. they they read the whole book. You know people like this? Mm-hmm. Like I almost wonder if there needs to be that option for Seahawks games. Uh, you know, in seasons like this like pretty much basically not watching it live would give you that option um but you miss like you, you do no, there's no way you can actually have the thrills if you know yeah. what's gonna happen so that's what you sacrifice which is a pretty big sacrifice um you did hear the voice of evan hill at evan hill hb he is chomping on oreos and drinking beer because evan cannot do anything normal How are you doing tonight, Evan?
0: I'm doing so well, guys. I had a similar story uh, to Dana with this game. So I'll give the audience a quick rundown of what happened. And this is embarrassing, by the way. I have to admit this is personally embarrassing for me. Uh, So I've been jet lagged from just doing some travel, didn't sleep well, uh, doing some travel. And um, my you know time zones has been all sort of whack sleeping during the day all that sort of stuff so the game i made it to halftime on monday night during the eagles game and i was yawning i was drinking a beer i was sinking into that couch that first half wasn't looking super <laughs> positive let's be honest so i was starting to doze off and i was like you know what this team's so done they're so cooked like it's over and i fell asleep during the game, and Jeff and Brian, you can probably attest to this because my uh, text in our group chat suddenly went silent, or at they least my did. contribution did. And I went to bed at like seven thirty or whatever it was. Woke up the next morning, uh, checked the score, and you should have seen how wide my eyes popped at five thirty a.m. in the morning. It was like, what? And then then I caught up on the text. And reading your reactions were, was hilarious, but then I went back and rewatched the game, or, or watched the second half in the morning. But um, I kind of missed the most exciting game of the year uh, by by uh, taking a, a prolonged nap or early bedtime. So. I did get to watch the game, but it was just in two parts.
2: So maybe your consciousness is antithetical to you know the Seahawks getting their vibe together. Maybe you need to be in a different plane of existence and consciousness.
0: Hey, if if I need to sleep to secure wins for this team, you'll do that for this I have, team. I will gladly take naps. <laughs> gladly.
2: What if you have to have Thai food? Thai food. Yeah. Don't you have a thing with like, I mean, I guess peanuts would be your problem. So like, let, Dude, let, I
0: got this, I got this, uh, power drug in me right now. Yeah. I can do anything. I yeah. Can, maybe you can. I can eat
2: anything right now. Uh, Jeff, uh, at real Jeff Simmons for folks that are listening and not watching Jeff looks fantastic tonight. Looks freshly shaved, like quaffed. He's, he's, he's ready to go. And you've got, you've got some travel coming up soon. Sounds like you may miss this next game. Is that right?
1: I'm in a bit of a quandary here. I don't know if I've missed a Seahawks game like in 20 years, honestly. And I'm going away uh, with my wife now. And it's the first day of our trip. It is our honeymoon. I'm going to the Caribbean. The first day is Sunday. We get there on Saturday. Our first full day is Sunday. It's on uh, Eastern time in the Caribbean. So I don't know if at 1 o'clock you can be like, well, I'm going to the sports book to watch – Ryan Tannehill against uh, Chino. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's weird. Uh, like When the Seahawks are good and like the last couple of years, like they, they've given me so much anxiety during the games. There's almost been points in my mind where I've been like, I just want to know the stupid game ends. I just want to look at the score in an hour and just see what happened. And so I'm not going to have to sweat this out for two hours. And the Seahawks, like the last four years, have been such a stressful team. <laughs> and But every time I say I'm going to do that, like I'm back watching probably in 13 seconds. I have no willpower. I don't think i What time? Like I was on. I was in San Diego last year for a game, and I was like, I'm like, okay, it was the end of the like Arizona game, which the Seahawks blew it like, three times. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna just go back to my hotel, see what happens. I streamed it from my phone in a minute. I couldn't. I couldn't last. So I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, this is a this is a weird one for me. This is a. I'm at the fall. on like the score app. I don't. I don't know. Like,
2: Evan and Dana, I need from each of you really quickly your your guess. Your bet is is Jeff going to watch the Seahawks game or is he going to not watch the Seahawks game?
3: Oh, he's going yeah, to watch. He's going to watch. He's acting
2: like it's the possibility he's going to watch way later.
3: too much football. I'm screwed. Listen, she married you. She knows yeah. what she's like. What, what you're like, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. Like, yep. Just pull the I'm feeling a little bit nauseous. I need to go back to the hotel room and just lie down for a no, Wait, no. half hours
2: approximately. Play, play it straight. Play it straight for someone who's been married for a long time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: She like Dana said, she knows what she got herself. Yeah. She got herself into. Uh I do want to hit the super chat real quick. Michael Mathis, uh, always generous and always appreciated. Um, Evan, if you dip Oreos in sour cream, it tastes like cheesecake. I hope this is a stretch where JSN gets hot and opens the offense. That's so. quite
0: the combination of a super <laughs> chat message. It is.
2: <laughs> Michael's always bringing it, and it's always appreciated. You know
0: what? You did not. I was watching the post-game pod, Brian. Yeah. There were some comments that you did not put on the screen. I was a little upset by really? it. Really? Yeah. Like right, was one about uh, Drew Locke. Do you remember that one? I don't. You said it was inappropriate and you
2: wouldn't post oh. <laughs> yeah, no, it. I was not, I'm not you, Evan. Uh, you're the person that I get emails about. I'm not the person that you get emails about. Uh, okay. I want to play. I want to play a little game. I don't know if this qualifies as a game, but I was reading the paper this morning cause I'm old as fuck. So I read the paper still. Right. And, and a few quotes stuck out to me that I'm not sure I've seen in other places or at least as much. And they're, Regarding the game, um, one of them is a quote, actually. One of them is actually reporters' reaction to the game. Okay, so the first one's a quote. Not having Jamal, obviously you can see that we missed him, Pete Carroll said. We can't wait to get him back this week. These weeks coming up are really big time run weeks for us. We have to make sure we have all of our firepower out there. We took care of him during the week last week, hoping to help him recover. Okay, obviously you can see that we missed him. We can't wait to get him back this week. What happened between that quote and what we've heard today where Pete Carroll is talking about potentially shutting down Jamal Adams for the rest of the season? Do you think anything changed?
3: I'm sorry, you said that quote happened when?
2: This happened immediately after the game.
3: I think something changed, but I think it was, it, it, I, I know the whole thing has been about his attitude. And you guys know I always defend Jamal, but I'm not defending Jamal, i def- kind of defending Pete on this one. I'm wondering if like something, they found out something about his injury. Like it didn't bounce back. Like it was still swollen. It was this, that, or the other. Or he maybe figured out after watching tape, <laughs> That maybe it would be better if he sat for a while and actually got healthy, in case they do make the playoffs. I'm trying to put a positive spin on it, because that's my job on this show. But it seems to me <laughs> that that there is a. I I said this I said this in our group chat that that could have very easily been a career-ending injury that he had. We mm-hmm. there were a lot of people who said that he would never play another snap of football, another down of football. Excuse me. And so I think that. I think that the way he's played this year actually makes sense to me because I don't, I think that injury is really bad, but it is surprising for Pete to go from that positive to that. Usually we get, Oh, it's legit. That's the word, Mm -hmm. right? We didn't get that this time. It was pretty quick, quick spin.
0: Is it, is it possible that initial comment right after the game was just uh, just simply like Pete protecting the team and well, being positive about a guy. I think and, so.
3: And, that's my read too.
0: And it may just not be deeper than that because what's, you know, this guy has been through so much, like physically, emotionally, and trying to get back to a fully healthy status. Like what else is he, what else is Pete going to say? Is, is Pete going to say, going to say, oh, you know, he sucks. Julian Love uh, played amazing and Jabal's never getting his spot back. Like, you know what I mean? I, yeah, I don't well, know.
1: My read similar. I think Pete is just, the messaging is really important to him. I think Jamal's in a bad place right now. And I, I think Jamal, we can tell he reads headlines. He's in the media. He's very involved. We could tell from what happened a couple weeks ago. I think Pete was sending a public message to him with that first comment. I think he was just sending that public thing to him because I think mentally, I think he's in a rough spot right now. And me and Brian talked about with Jamal that we didn't think he'd play until December and coming off that injury, like what Dana said, you're absolutely right, Dana. And when he was back for week four and as the season's gone on physically, he's just, compl- he's deteriorated a little bit. And I know this is a two year injury, but the guy we saw in New York before we got concussed, yep. he was a different looking athlete than what we saw in Dallas. And then San Francisco to me was where you could just see, he didn't look physically right. He looked like a, he like looked like he had weights on his legs when he was running. Yeah, and yeah. I'm of the opinion that they should shut him down. But I think Jamal. I think what's going on with him right now, and this is just my read on it, is he can kind of see the end of the tunnel in his career right now. And it's like what Dana said, if you remember what happened with like Earl in Baltimore, some of that was mental issues. But what I see just with a lot of players is. These things come and go really quickly. It's not like baseball or basketball where it's like natural decline. If you guys watched the Darius Leonard on Monday night, he was the fiercest linebacker in the league a year or two ago. He had back surgery. He looked worse than Frank Clark's look this year. There's clips of him. I don't know if you caught it, but he I think Jamal is sort of at that stage where he can see the light and he's not handling it well. And I think Pete's trying to send the public messaging to him, but I think they bring him back in and physically they see the same thing i saw in the san francisco game he was just not an athlete out there and i think they bring him in hoping he's trying to be positive but i personally love the opinion they should shut him down and try to get him ready for next year
2: i think that's a great take at least they restructured his deal to make it hard to cut him next year at least they did that that was smart um I, i'm not i'm not personally like convinced they should shut him down i think that's a totally reasonable thing to be talking about and thinking about and it sounds like that they are i definitely am of the belief that he's. there's a thing in baseball a lot of times where they won't throw a pitcher in back-to-back games a reliever coming off of an injury they'll wait they'll build him up i don't know if jamal can play back-to-back games like i think that's a totally legitimate thing to to like give him multiple weeks of recovery i think it's also fair to just give him two or three weeks of recovery and see if you see any like rejuvenation in that, in that leg. And if not, yeah, shut him down. But I agree with you, Jeff in San Francisco, not only was he not running well, he wasn't playing physically. He was playing patty cake with the blockers. It just was like, he didn't belong on a football field and it's not in Jamal's best, best interest to, to do that. And then you, kind of contrast that with the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, Julian Love, who has been really playing well um, and played a terrific game, a game-changing game against Eagles, I think that's a big deal. So interesting kind of potential changing of the guard for people that don't know. Julian Love received a 94.1 grade from PFF, which is insanely high. Uh, and yeah, Jamal hasn't had a grade like that in his whole time in Seattle.
3: And can I ask where the hell did that come from? I mean, Julian love has played well here, there hit or miss had some bad games. And I remember when they gave him his contract, we we're like, Oh, it's kind of a lot, you know, but at this, cause it's what, what is it? Like an $8 million contract. I think if I remember correctly, something around there, and and then out of nowhere, he's just on fire. Was it just in your guys' thoughts because the Eagles were so bad? I, which I can't do. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for the Eagles team, uh, um, but it, he just—I mean—he just exploded.
1: I yeah. think it was familiarity. Um, he knows that team. That's fair. He played them twice a year with the Giants, and one, the thing that I don't know if you saw Christian McCaffrey on the manning cast or that clip—they're very predictable in what they're doing right now they're running like three plays on offense and julian love came from a team that he knew in that situation the last pick he read it right away that the ball was going to aj brown that's how he got over there so quickly and he was able to cover so much ground i think his familiarity of that team coming from the division was a huge deal in this game
0: can i add one other thing jalen hurts has been a little bit of a turnover machine this year like he's almost 20 turnovers on the year. I think it's 13 interception or yeah, 13 interceptions, six fumbles. Um, it's a combination I think of uh, taking advantage of this Eagles offense and the slump that they've been on.
2: I think Julian love started this season atrociously. Um, and since then I, I folks don't remember. I don't think this is as much of out of the blue. I talked about it. Five weeks ago, at least that since week three or four of the season, Julian Love was a top ten safety and by PFF grade. Um, I, I haven't kept track and recently, but I guess it's only gotten probably better. So I, I think he had a rough start. I think there he was playing a lot more nickel and asking to to play one on one versus now he's playing straight safety and. He looks confident. He looks healthy. And I thought that it seemed to have an e- effect on Quandre Diggs as well. I thought that that pairing looked better. And so, you know, anything we can get there would be good. Um, I do want to change topics, if that's okay with y'all. Um, this is a little bit more reading, so you'll have to bear with me. But I, I do want to I, I want to hear your takes because these takes stood out to me. These are from Bob Condotta. And Adam Jude, Seattle Times reporters. And the question asked is a question that you will all be asked Should Drew Locke get another shot to start if Geno Smith's still not 100%? Bob Condada says If Smith is still not 100%, then yes. But if Smith can go, it hardly needs stating that the job's still his. Still, Locke's play the last two weeks has more than justified the team's belief in his talents, as well as the decision to make sure. He was included in the Russell Wilson trade and to re-sign him again last March. How smart do the Seahawks look now making sure they had two QBs they can win with when a number of NFL teams aren't sure they have one?
0: Bob said that?
2: Bob said that. What is your reaction to... I'm going to read you Adam Jude's next, but I want to get your reactions to that. Evan, go ahead. You have, you have a, a thinking face.
0: Did we watch the same Drew Locke last night? With the exception of the last drive of the game, he was mostly terrible.
2: Okay, and
0: let's not forget that. Okay, and he almost I- threw a, threw a pick, by the way, on that last drive. Not taking the drive away from him. Yeah. But with the exception of DK somehow straddling it around his legs and taking it from the defender, you know, one slight little inch of ball change, like we're it's a very different story. So uh, to me, that's ludicrous. That's actually insane that he.
2: So- Dana, I was kind of nodding with Bob when I started reading this and it got progressively like more like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. Did, did, what's uh, your take?
3: Uh, I I'm with Evan. I, I, I can't believe that he would say that yet. Yeah. It is one thing to have two quarterbacks you can win with and having a capable backup. They're two very different things. Um, I said this on a show earlier today. I I thought that drew was Fine. He was the game manager we needed him to be. He didn't turn the ball over. What more do you ask your backup? Right. And then they ran the ball a thousand times. Right. So, yeah. Um, it, it I think if, if Gino is 85%, he's the starter. I don't, I don't think that you put that the fate of this team in, in Drew Locke's hands. So, I, I agree that, you know, Drew Locke deserves you know, the, the kudos he's been getting for managing to pull up that game and that last drive, but that's a little muchy Bob. That's a little muchy
2: Jeff. I'm going to get to you. I'm going to give you a little bit of Adam Jude's response, which similarly starts with a Gino healthy. Then it's his team. No question. I'm going to skip some of this. He says, um, but if Gino is limited at all going into this weekend, Locke showed that he's capable of leading this offense in thrilling fashion. Those are the two takes from the Seattle Times reporters, and I want—is that your—is that your takeaway from Locke's performance in this game?
1: Hell no, uh, Drew Locke had a great moment. He had a great moment, uh, unbelievable drive. And listen, he deserves credit for that. He, he was a baller on that drive. He was confident. He showed what he can do as a deep passer, really, really well. But I, from the majority of the two starts. To me, he looks exactly like he did in Denver. Exactly, you see the exact same. He has skills, he has tools, but he's an average backup cornerback. And to say like he justified his contract, no, I'd rather have a guy that you would, are developing in the long term, or even like a Case Keenum kind of guy. I don't think like he probably cost a fifth of what Drew Lock cost. I think the Seahawks looked at him as like a developmental upside player and. To me, Gino is like processing and his consistency is so much higher. I know Locke does have some really fun plays, and I got buddies who said, been saying for me for weeks that Locke showed he should get a starter. I, I got, I know Paul Moyer went on me for my take, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it, Brian, and I saw I didn't
2: know the dumb tweets there, yeah, Jeff. I was dumb at a dumb take,
1: but I thought Locke was mostly awful until that last drive. And, I think everyone let the moment sort of get to them. And, yes, like you can make the case he saved their season. But I saw consistent patterns, consistent trends. He, to me, looks exactly what he was in Denver. Uh, I think there were five or six plays in that game where, to me, I'm looking at him just like this is not a starting quarterback. Nothing's not close to it. He hasn't learned much at all. But, listen, the guy had balls. He showed it. He came through in the clutch. But I think they were kind of overreacting to the moment. It's such a cool moment. But I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think it's like it's the start of something. I think it's just a cool story, not a great yeah. observation.
0: That's a cult. The Drew Lock groupies <sighs> are a cult.
1: I didn't realize this is insane. Yeah, I didn't realize until I got involved with the Drew Lock bashing. And
2: but but look at if you've got two reporters for a reputable paper who both their takeaways. I mean, I just read you like that. No one told them to say that. That was their takeaway. So I I asked, I intentionally asked because when I read that, my eyes got pretty big. I was like, is this really how people saw that game and that performance? Because I, I saw it as pretty much what I felt about the San Francisco game, which is I actually thought he was better in the San Francisco game. And I thought that especially comparing the defenses he was going against and being home versus away. Granted, it was raining here, all that kind of stuff. But he's played like a capable backup. I think, Dana, you put it that way. That's how I put it at the San Francisco game. That's what I've seen. Um, I've been way out over my skis uh, by most uh, people's opinions on how negative I am about Drew Locke as a starter. And I admit a lot of that has come from this cult that you talked about, like the fact that there are people that are dyed in the wool, drew lock supporters, given the fact that he has never done anything for this team and that they use Gino Smith as a reason. Like if Gino did, became really good after years of not being good, drew lock will be, that's it's like galaxy brain stuff to me. Like I just don't get it. So that stuff drives me nuts. I will admit it is a fair roster planning question about whether Geno Smith at his contract price for next year is a better thing for the Seahawks than Drew Locke at his contract price. So it's one thing to say that Geno Smith is clearly the starter and clearly better. I think we're all aligned on that. It gets harder when you talk about a $20 million plus difference, $30 million plus difference of price tag to have one or the other. And I think that's where I've heard from some people that I think it's a legitimate, it's a legitimate debate, at least to have. Um, So we will not get into that now. I think there's more important things to discuss, but that's, that's where I think that, you know, it's, it's fair to bring up. I've intentionally not called attention to, I mean, there were some throws on that last drive that. I was there watching and there were people laughing out loud at how bad the throws were and just joking about how like, I can't believe we're trying to watch, like, why are we even here? Why are we hoping that Drew Locke is going to come through with this? And then he did! Fucking great! Awesome! And it was legit! Like, the throw to DK was legit! The throw to, to JSN, the adjustment apparently, legit. Like, all that was cool. Good. I am even to the point of I don't like these both reporters said, if Gino is healthier, hundred percent than he plays, if Gino can play, Gino better be playing. Like I don't need him to be hundred <laughs> percent. Like Drew has not shown me enough to be like he's, he's better than a 75% Gino. So that's where I am with it. Um, let's can I get ask the- one question. Of course you can always.
0: What percentage of the drew lock cult, lives outside of Snohomish County.
3: Uh, they all live in Kansas city. So he's for his parents live three suburbs over from me. Right. They own Do businesses they really? here. Yes. He went to Mizzou. Like you can't walk around this town without people saying, Dan, you Seahawks fan. Why is Drew Locke not starting for your team? I seriously, it's a little nutty.
2: I think, I think Evan, there's this huge concentrate, like a uh, Venn diagram of people that are not Geno fans and really are anti-Gino, people that are huge Pete Carroll fans that believe that any quarterback that Pete gets his hooks into is going to, you know, in this scheme, that people have come to the belief with what happened with Gino and what happened to Russ last year in Denver that Pete is a quarterback coach and a system coach. And so they just, so there's those constellation that turns into this, Drew Locke's the guy. Um, God bless them. I hope they never get power because God, I don't, I okay, don't enjoy so, watching that guy quarterback the team.
0: Okay. So let me ask this question then drew lock signed for, so they're, they're paying him $4 million this year. Yeah. Could you re-sign him at that number next year. Knowing I would not.
2: Him? I, he has no starter upside in my mind. And so I want a rookie court. Like, I would rather have Dorian Thompson Robinson on this roster getting these snaps, even if he turns into nothing, at least you don't know what his ceiling is yet. Drew Locke is not a championship quarterback, even if he somehow scrapes in to be a starter somewhere. He is not a championship quarterback. So that's clear to me.
0: Jeff, Dana, $4 million. Would you resign him at that number next year?
3: Uh, I I wouldn't, would Seattle, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It, it, but to be honest with you, I think I, I I would hope that they can now see the end of the the Gino tunnel, knowing that they have to have some youth on there and hopefully they'll go sign somebody. But we know how they are with that around here. So.
1: Um, yeah, to me, the Brian point he made before is really interesting. I think that's a, if it's a matter of economics and it's Drew at 4 million versus Gino at 30, and if you're draft, if you're planning to draft a quarterback, I would strongly consider going Druid at four and take the excess spending and put it into the team. And I, I just don't uh, I don't want to pay Gino 30 million dollars at age 34. I don't think I'm quite there yet, unless the rest of the team is built up. So I ideally know, like I've not I've not been thrilled with what I've got. And I guess we'll talk about this in the offseason, but it really depends on if you're gonna draft a first round quarterback, if that's the goal. I think I'd be okay with him before. Just,
0: Just keep in mind on this real quick contract note here. They have a nearly $10 million roster bonus that they owe Gino on the fifth day of the league. Yeah. It'll yeah. come yeah, in March. Guaranteed. Yeah, so just just keep in mind that we're going to know Gino's state of the 2024 like in three months.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... I even, even in the situation where you draft a quarterback, I still would rather have a different, um, veteran on the roster than, than Drew Locke. Like, yeah. but, and, and the other thing for me, well, ah, I'm going to leave it alone. Yeah. I, well, I, I, know I, you want
0: to say something. I know you do. I
2: do. I, I, I think the Gino thing that's, that's, that's from a cap perspective is I don't think it matters if Gino's taking 30 million or spending four unless you have someone that you're having to sacrifice because of that money, there is not the guy that Like if they can't sign Leonard Williams, maybe I care enough, but like who else is the, like there's not a free agent that I think you need to bring in that, that you're going to spend that on. There's not a guy you're going to try to extend that stands out to me as a blue chip player. And so for me, he's as good a place to park that money as anywhere else. Cause you don't get to do anything with it otherwise. So that's, that's been where my head's been. Um, all right. I want to get to the super chat and then, uh, Dana, if you could start looking off Patreon questions, we'll get to those in a second. Uh, Forrest Luke says on the lock to lock at deep shot, Tyler felt like he was held at the 35 yard line worth a rewatch Lockett could have secured it. I still want more Gino. Yeah, I mean, I saw what people were talking about with Lockett getting held there, but here's the thing. Drew was back there with no pressure and he was watching that route develop. He didn't throw that ball until Lockett was behind the defender. Like I saw the whole thing in like as it happened. And he had every chance to just like touch that thing up to exactly the distance he wanted, and he just made a <laughs> shitty throw. So I don't think that's, uh, like, I saw that online, too. I don't think it was about Tyler getting held.
1: No, I saw, like, he, like, got his hand out and, like, just missed his hand. He was five yards over. Like, that's, that's a bad, that's a whiff.
2: Yeah, yeah. I see Josh Potter here saying uh, he's disagreeing with me. Invest in the O-line and D-line. Geno's not a difference maker at $30 million. If you show me the path to where we can invest in the O-line and D-line with money and that there's a path to doing that that makes sense, cool. I've looked at the free agent class. I'm not super excited about where you're going to drop that money um, on those different places. We can talk about it when we get to the season. I believe you got a draft at those spots. That's not going to cost you that much money. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see. It is an off season conversation. We don't have to get into it now. Uh, while Dan is getting those up, I will just say, if you haven't given the show a like, give the show a like. Uh, click subscribe where we're growing and having a fun community, uh, join and participate. We had a lot of fun after the game this weekend or this week, and then go to patreon.com slash You can get immediate access to the Slack channel and you can ask us questions like the ones that Dana is about to ask us. Take it away, Dana.
3: All right. So we're going to start with Brad Exton. <laughs> I have no idea. I love you guys. His names kill me. Okay. So Jeff, I'm going to give this one to you next season. Would you rather have Bobby Wagner at one year, 4 million fully guaranteed Jordan Brooks at two years, 22 million, 13.5 guaranteed contract projections are from PFF.
1: Oh God. That's, that's a rough one. Uh. <laughs> My answer is none, but I have to pick one.
3: Gotta pick one.
1: I'll probably take Brooks, even though I wouldn't do that contract at all. Um, listen, Bobby is a legend. He's amazing at run defense. Still, he is a physically (laughs) limited player right now, and the good teams are just picking on it. And I like Bobby having him around the building has been so valuable. He's helped him get out of slumps, even at four million dollars. He's a year gonna be a year older. It's just it's physically hard to watch him in coverage right now and running left, side to side. And Brooks is sort of in the shack reference here of guys who are are good, but they're not difference makers. I, I wouldn't want to see him play, but in a position where they don't have anything internally, I'd be more willing to swallow that. I don't think they can when you play Sha- Sean McVay and Kyle Shannon twice a year, unless Bobby's a backup at four million dollars. I don't see a scenario where I think it makes sense to, he's just, we talked about with Jamal before you see the athletic limitations and Bobby and coverage is just, they can't move forward with that.
2: I I don't know if this showed up on this, on the TV copy when you guys were watching, but when Jalen hurts would take off, Jalen hurts is not that fast. At least he's not running that fast in these situations, watching Bobby and Brooks try to pursue was so painful. Daryl Taylor as well. Like for a team that you you, talked about being fast at times, like speed, it's not there. There's guys either injured or old or just not athletic enough. And it shows up. This is not a dynamic defense. Devin Witherspoon, part of the reason he stands out so much is when he moves, he moves and, and it just shows. But like Julian Love this week, he moved. But a lot of these other
1: guys, oh, man
2: it's a slow footed group.
1: Yeah. And there's a scouting terminology. If your linebackers are slow, then your defense is slow. And that's what it looked like. Watching number in that game, watching Jalen hurts run.
3: And we need to keep in mind too. It's up to Bobby. Bobby said he will decide at the end of each season, whether or not he's going to play the next year. He wants one year contracts back to back. So he might not even want to play again next year. We'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next question Next question. Anaxum? I have no idea what these names. I love them. Okay. As there is a history of coaches rolling with the hot hand, do you think that Drew Locke should start over Gino? Personally, I don't. I think we kind of already answered that question for you, so I hope you're okay with that. Um, let's see. This is another one from Brunxton. Um, uh, and this one, Evan, I'm going to give this one to you because it's an interesting question, although I would love all your thoughts on it. Where are you at with Tyler Lockett right now? He doesn't seem to be all that much of a factor anymore are you comfortable moving on from him this off season as beloved as he is to all of us
0: yeah that's a that's a great question Mm -hmm. so um let me answer that with a statement tyler lockett's 2024 cap number is 27 million dollars
1: can they get out of that at all
0: yeah, they can cut him fairly easily. This is the second to last year of his deal. So they could do a pre June one or post June one cut. And regardless, it's going to save him some money. Uh, they did do a restructure. I think it was a year or two ago. So they gave him a little bit more cash. Um, but uh, he slowed down. I think he's still productive. But would I want him at a $27 million number? No. No, I would not. So that's my take.
3: Anyone think differently?
1: No, I think it's pretty clear. I think drafting JSN opened the door for this.
3: It's a, it's a
0: contract thing with him, right? Like, like I would totally keep him at a lower number. Like would he come back for, I don't know, uh, eight, nine, 10 million a year. Like I would, I would probably do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But not it, not 27.
3: It and we we've discussed, you know, amongst ourselves that it wouldn't be surprising if Tyler was just wanted to be done after this. He just got married. He wants to have kids. He's got his business. His wife, on that little sound of the Seahawks, wherever she's like, I hate watching him play because every time he gets hit, she hates it. So I mean, there's there's signs there. We'll see. We'll see what happens there with him. He's he's got to be
0: like the cutest little real estate agent of all time. (laughs) Imagine like walking into a home and Tyler Lockett just like is showing it to
3: you. Let me show you this two bedroom. So he,
2: you know he bakes cookies. You know he, he makes
3: He's he's like writing poems probably for 100%. each single. Yeah, yeah. He's, I love him. Love it too. All right, this next one, Brian. Um, oh, if, if you want to pull this one up, this we can get to this one later. It says, "Can you please take a quick look at the lion schedule and tell me that we wouldn't have the same record as them right now?" So, if you guys, anyone wants to take a minute,
2: I can do that. Right oh, that'd be great. Um so the Lions schedule. Uh they played the Chiefs at Kansas City and won. We wouldn't have won that, most likely. Um we beat them. They played the Falcons at home. Sure, we maybe we would have won. Packers away. I don't know that we would have won that. Um Lions at home or Panthers at home. Probably we did win that, so sure. Uh at the Bucks maybe bucks have played a pretty good I think the bucks and the Seahawks are pretty similar teams this year to be totally honest uh Ravens destroyed us destroyed them they beat the Raiders Chargers Bears. I don't know I mean I think I get the point I don't think the Seahawks have had other than their massive crazy stretch I don't think they've had that tough of a schedule either they lost two games to the Rams and the Rams are like not that great of a team um you know, they lost a game to the Bengals that they really shouldn't have lost. So I don't know that I feel like the Seahawks schedule has been crazy. I just think the last few weeks have been. Um, so I, I think the, I think the Lions are a better team than the Seahawks, mm-hmm. even though the Seahawks beat them. And I know, it, I know all the implications there. That doesn't mean at the end of the season will be true, um, specifically because the offensive line for the Seahawks the tackles are finally starting to play. Like it is absolutely batshit crazy that the that Gino Smith, Charles Cross, and Abe Lucas have played like 120 snaps together all season. Like that's insane. I even think that seems high that they've played that many snaps together. So anyway, I I think the offensive line is is getting stronger. Hopefully, and maybe the end of the season, the Seahawks will be at the same level as the Lions.
3: All right. (laughs) This is from the artist formerly known as Brundon. Says, has Dana's love for Quandre Jamal soured at all? So I want to answer this. Um, Yes and no. It's interesting to me. So the beginning of the season when, when Jamal wasn't there, I complained a lot that Quandre was distracted because he had to basically babysit the new kids, right? Like he didn't have anyone out there's trust. And I thought for sure, as soon as Jamal showed back up that they would have that same kind of trust each other, knew they were doing their job, that sort of thing. And they would come on and that didn't happen. And I really, truly think that Jamal has not been himself because of that injury all season. And, but the interesting thing is I think that <laughs> this is just my opinion. I think Quandre bought into that. He's like, Oh, I don't have to pay attention. Cause Jamal's got it. Jamal's got it. I don't have to worry about it. So then we would see Quandre missing these things. I think what we saw in this game last week is number one, he looked great with Julian Love. And whoever said that before, it was totally true. Um, I also think that he was paying a little bit more attention. Is that horrible? That's not a good thing in any way, shape or form. I just think that for some reason, I feel like he just had kind of a better feel of of the of the field. And I'm not sure if that's because he didn't, He actually did pay attention more because he wasn't just trusting that Jamal had his job done or whatever. But so um yeah, I I I feel very bad for Jamal because I do think injuries have just destroyed the last couple of years for him. Um, but Quandre needs to step up. We need we need a lot more out of Quandre in order to justify that that contract. So I'm soured a little bit.
0: He did play well against the Eagles.
3: He did. Oh, he played great. Quandre looked great in that game. He did did better. Yeah, Yeah, it was good. All right. Same person. Jeff, I'll send this. Let's see.
2: Maybe take a couple more, Dana.
3: Yeah, we've kind of answered a couple of these already. So let me scan through. Sorry, Nathan would be so disappointed in me. Okay, Jeff. 10 and 6. Is that getting us in? And out of the Mm. NFC side, who is the best shot at spoiling the 49ers run? So, well, 10 and 6. 10 and 7. It's got to be 10 and 7. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. It's new. Um, 10 and 7. Uh, get us in, and who can beat the Niners?
1: Uh, I think 10-7 is like 99% chance of getting in. I think there's like one like wacky scenario. I think if you go 10-6, you're in the playoffs, almost almost 100%. Um, the Packers dropping those two games to the Giants and then got crushed by our old buddy Dave Canales, who's all of a sudden getting a lot of these. Pete's finally got a coach, and the Seahawks didn't even benefit from it. Um, who's beating the Niners? I don't, I don't see anyone, um, we saw, we've seen the best, the best of the rest. Seahawks beat Philly. The Seahawks should have beaten Dallas. They're right there. If not for a couple fourth down mistakes or the refs and the Seahawks beat the lions and this Seahawks team has been mid all year. They've had like no good moments unless there's a bunch of injuries or something bad happens or there's weather. I don't think there's a team. I think the 49ers have a breeze to the Super Bowl, and I hate saying it, it makes me sick. And the DVOA kind of says what I was saying to Brian and Nathan. This is one of the best teams I've ever seen, and I hate it, it bothers me. I think they're like the third best DVOA team ever through this point yeah. of the season. I want to make a
2: point there though. DVOA is misleading there because it's it's not adjusting for the season that they're playing in. Like this yeah. is one of the worst yeah. quality. Yeah. So then all your stats, if you're a good team. Are just going to absolutely just escalate in terms of your difference between yourself and every other team so that's the one thing i would just say
1: like yeah. i would have i would have said dallas based on how they've looked but they just got i don't know if you watched that bills game. They got worse they work them they didn't even throw the ball they're running the ball every single play if the bills can do that i don't want to know what kyle shannon could do to those guys And for all the people who wanted like ken dorsey like the bills have just emerged without him so um Hey, I just still like Ken Dorsey. I know. I'm just messing. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, of all the teams, like, sad, somehow the Seahawks have played the 49ers better than those other teams. And we all think this team is pretty mid and pretty uninspiring. So, <laughs> I'm struggling for an answer. Man. I will
2: tell you both, or all three of you, if the Seahawks get to the playoffs, and the Seahawks win enough games to play the 49ers, assuming they don't play them in the first game. I would feel more confident going into that game than either of the previous two games that have been played against the 49ers. Like, sure, I, I'm not saying I would expect them to win. I'm not going to say that.
3: I'm like, sure, why not? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm like-
2: serious. Like, I thought that I thought that a different quarterback in that game uh, against San Francisco, if Gino was healthy and playing. I think that would have been a closer game. And I think if Jamal Adams wasn't playing, I think that would have been a closer game. If, if Woolen wasn't in his, like Mike Jackson had a, has had a really good season. And so anyway, I think, I think that there is a chance that that could have been a closer game. Um, but who knows?
1: The honest answer to that question might be the Rams and the Rams in the last, like since the Seahawks game, the Rams have like really flipped hit. the corner and that, They they start scoring like thirty points a game, and when they played the Seahawks, they looked like they were just tanking. Like they were going to go into the tank. We've seen McVay and Shanahan just like with Aaron Donald, and that's. I think Stafford honestly might be the best quarterback in the NFL this year, and some I don't think anyone's talking about some of the throws he makes every week are like unbelievable, and it's with a pretty shitty O line and they got a rookie Mm -hmm. receiver. So I think that might be it, and that's I don't think they would win it. But if Stafford and Aaron Donald, might, and McVeigh might be the guys to do it.
0: You hear that praise about Sean McVay, Brian? You hear that?
3: Yeah. Uh, I hate to say Sean, it. I've been
1: Sean
0: McDaddy over there in LA. We're gonna
1: ignore that. I hate to say it. I've kind of flipped on him. I was uh, this, is a, this year's really impressed me with him. Sean McDaddy in LA. Yeah.
2: I'm with you on Stafford, not as much on McVay. Yeah. I think Stafford's been. Great. And I think yeah. we thought that the Seahawks might have the best quarterback in the division going into this year. There's no question that at best they have the third best yeah. quarterback. And the
1: funny thing is they tried to trade him. They tried to trade him <laughs> to the Jets before they got Rodgers. And I, th- I think they, my, a lot of my thoughts on the Rams, I thought Stafford was done. I thought physically he was. Yeah, I did too. Last year. And they, sort of the Rams, the Rams thought that too. And all of a sudden him coming back and re-emerging.
2: Jeff, he's not just good. He's better. Yeah. I think he's playing better than he did when they won a Super Bowl.
1: So
3: do I.
2: So he's he's played really well.
1: Like
3: if you watch him, I, I, so well. I have one more question I want to give to Evan. It's a really easy one. It's like, okay, so this is from Katie. It says, we've seen the best. Have we seen the best we're going to see out of Rick Olin, or is he just in a sophomore slump? Oh, and then man. she said, happy holidays and thanks for the pods. So.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Katie. I don't, I'm really curious Brian for your for your take on this whole reek situation because they've been kind of like vague about it for a couple of weeks now you know he, he's been benched for a little bit at times and now he's starting to fight for his starting spot again like I feel like this isn't being talked about enough um considering the rookie year he had last year
2: it's interesting well I think there's a bigger controversy here which is there is I have it on good word that there is audio of him introducing himself or like after games to you know other players as Tariq still and I really would like to be able to go back to call him Tariq so if that's an option I just want to put the vote in that I would like to go back to calling him Tariq um but to your question I, I see this pretty differently than I think the the general conversation. I, I'm not I'm not sitting here like super disappointed in in Woolen's play. I think he is I think he is physically started the season injured and took a little while to get warmed up. Then I I saw pretty good play from him. He has not had the interceptions, but he has been in decent coverage. I'm not seeing him get burned like regularly. But we are seeing mental mistakes and we are seeing some tackling issues. Okay. Like that's not a red flag to me. That is okay. Second year of a guy that was just learning the position when he came into the NFL, had a really solid first year, maybe got a little overconfident and maybe didn't pay attention to details. I don't think he's the most intense dude from all conversations. He's super laid back. That plus having a good year, maybe didn't put in his best off season. So I'm not that worried. I think he's still better than most cornerbacks out there. And I'm not ever sad to see him out in the field. Um, But yeah, this has not been, this has not been a step forward season. There is no doubt about that.
0: And I think a lot of people had expectations and hopes that he would take a yeah. step forward. Uh, his tackling, I think particularly has been a real cause for concern this year. Tackling <laughs> across the board, actually <laughs> defensively uh, has been an issue. It's been awful. Um. Just, yeah It they're just not disciplined there and it's frustrating because this this was a team that was like teaching uh, tackling technique <laughs> know, like uh, across uh-huh. the league like a decade ago so,
2: well, and they started the season better in that regard but they've definitely deteriorated no doubt about it the same way that the run defense has deteriorated over the years so um, Dana thank you for doing patron questions thank you to all the patrons who submitted them patreon.com slash hawkblogger you too can ask us questions Sign up now, get access to the Slack channel. It's also a good gift for the holidays. It's not too late to gift that if you'd like to do it. Um, let's turn our attention to this game. And let's turn our attention to the, like, the closing of this season. Um, Evan, Evan, do you want them to win the last three games of the season? I'm going to ask you that, and you, you're you going to answer truthfully. Don't give me any bullshit, because I'll call you on it.
0: My internet's going out. <laughs> I'm just kidding, um, do I want them to win? The yes, last
2: do three you games? want them to win the last three games?
0: God, you have <sighs> my soul has been in torment. the past Tell us about week. it the past what what day is today? Wednesday, three days. i have, I'm gonna align myself with somebody I don't typically align myself with. I think Rob Stan's takes on the long-term viability of this regime and trajectory of this franchise have been spot on. I think Monday night does not change to the fact that uh, we can be grateful for Pete's tenure here and his accomplishments while also recognizing that it's probably time to move on and go in a different direction, probably at general manager as well. Um, do I want them to win the next three games? I I I would not be upset
2: nope, if they not lost go, not, out. Nope. Nope. No. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want?
0: I want uh entertaining football games. That's that's what I want.
2: Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little breathing room. Jeff, what do you want?
1: There's two parts of my brain. I sort of get what Evan's thinking. The emotional part of me wants them to win. I I can't see myself cheering, but for the long-term viability, I said on Monday night, I was really conflicted because if the Seahawks lost that game, which they were there. We saw the win probability chart. Mm-hmm. The whole narrative nationally is that Pete blew that time out. And <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm just I've been saying it for a few years now. I'm ready for the change. It's time. I don't want that Drew Locke freak drive to distract. I think what's most important to me is the long-term viability of the franchise. So I'm going to say I don't want them to win. If they do, I'm in. I'll convince myself in seconds. But I think for me, I'm at this point, I don't see this team as close to a contender. I don't really care to see them get blown out. I care about what brings this team back. And I think that's a change. And I think that's –
2: Before I come to you, I got to – to talk to these guys for a second on this. So I want to come to you because I know your take's going to be different. Um, What if I told you that they won their three games and they still hired Dan Quinn as their next coach and Pete stepped down. So you do get a new coach, but it's Dan Quinn.
0: Of course. I mean, you, you see, you say,
2: yes. So that, that's, yeah, that's absolutely.
0: enough. My, my concern is that, finishing this season on a on on a four game winning streak is going to cloud the judgment of ownership and uh prolong Pete's uh leadership over this franchise and I think- Pete, if,
2: if you get a new Dan Quinn like I'm limiting it to that because I think sure. that's a realistic scenario I'm not saying that they'd fire him I'm saying that they would he would step down and pass the baton to someone that they all feel really good about Dan Quinn Jeff, what about you?
1: I would take that scenario. Dan, Dan Quinn would not be my handpicked choice, but to me, the upside of one versus the other, to me, I'd take that. He's really good at hiring assistant coaches. 100%. Um, I would be open to – if it's just Quinn versus Pete, I'm I'm taking the Quinn door.
2: Okay. Last thing, and then I'm going to come to Dana. So, Dana, you've had, you're going to have a great answer because you had plenty of time to think about this. Next scenario, they went out, make the playoffs, They win two playoff games, but Pete comes back next year. Do you want that? Evan and Jeff, this is pointed to you two. Answer the damn question, Hill.
1: Jeff, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. No. False hope. No. I think it's a watered-down NFC. I've seen enough.
2: Interesting. Evan?
1: I'm in the
0: same camp.
2: Mr show me the playoff wins when you get the playoff wins your answer is fire the coach okay i respect you sticking to your guns i this is what i wanted to learn dana What do you think about all that because i know you want them to win the games
3: i think that of course hell yes i want them to win the games you know why because i'm a seattle seahawks fan i want them to win some damn playoff games and pete's not going anywhere next year anyway you guys have lost your ever loving minds if you think they lose out and all of a sudden pete's gone you're on drugs there is no way in hell jody allen is going to fire pete carroll when he just beat the eagles even if they lose out even if they get what two steps higher in the draft because that's all it'll be is like one or two places that's it because i I don't care
1: about the draft position to be honest like they've they sort of lost that with the the win last week um but did you see that picture of him after the game Dana? did you think anything of that or are we just you know what
2: they're talking about dana this picture of pete
3: no
1: Tell, tell her about it, Jeff.
3: Oh, of him on the field? Yes. Taking like it all in. Yep. I don't
1: think Pete's getting fired. I don't think there's a single scenario no, where he gets fired. No, that's what I'm
3: saying. He's but not Albert getting fired.
1: And Mike Garofalo were on the radio last week. And there's chatter in league circles that Pete's ready to step down. And Quinn is the guy they're targeting internally. Mm-hmm. And then that photo comes out of him just taking it all in. I wonder if there's smoke there. I don't I don't I'm with you. There I don't see a single scenario where they fire him. Right.
0: It comes down to this for me, guys. And this is not directed to you, Dana. This is just as a whole. Um I care about winning Super Bowls. That's what I want to do is I want to contend for the Super Bowl. I know it's unrealistic to expect that every single year. I want to either be contending or on the path to contending. So that means rebuilding. I have pretty much close to 0% hope that Pete Carroll will lead us to another Super Bowl. It's but- not about winning regular season games. It's not about winning playoff games. It's about contending and contending for winning a Super Bowl again. That's okay. The
3: sure. That makes total sense, but that wasn't the question.
0: Yeah. So the question
3: I- was, do you want them to win or do you want them to lose out? Neither of it changes that situation. Right? Because we're not contenders right now. We're not going to go in and win a Super Bowl. I mean, weirder things have happened. I, it was pointed out to me the year that we played the Steelers in the Super Bowl. The Steelers had to win like seven games in a row or something crazy to win it, and they did. But that's not the point. The question was do you want them to win or do you want them to lose? it's not going to change the outcome. So hell yes, I want him to win. It gives me something to watch. It gives me something to root for. It gives these young kids more experience, which I think is really important when it comes to playoffs, but it's not going to change the fact that a, this is not a Super Bowl team right now. And B that it's not going to get rid of Pete Carroll. If Pete Carroll doesn't want to get rid to be getting rid of now, if he wants to retire and you're right, the quote ad that came out of Dan Quinn that says, if I get a head coaching mm-hmm. position like that, just kind of popped out of nowhere. It's like mm, that made me real happy because you know, I love the defense, so I'm okay with that. But I don't think that what Brian's question changes the scenario at all. So, if it's not going to change whether or not we're winning a Super Bowl this year or whether or not we get a new head coach, unless Pete wants to go, yeah, I want him to. Win. I think
2: that's a great take and a great point. And, Evan, here's the thing I'll plant in your head, and, and Jeff, too. I think there is a better chance of Pete stepping down if they win out, Ooh. than if they lose out.
1: Okay, you can, you can tell me on that one. You can, if that's the case. Dana Bryan, I will admit I'm wrong. <laughs> that's, well, a not wrong it's that's not a right
2: or wrong thing. I'm just it, saying
1: that's my. That's I'm amazing. ready for something new. Like you watch Tomlin and you watch Belichick. Andy Reid got fired in Philly. It's time. I'm ready for something new. I want to be inspired by a football team again.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
1: just – all year I've been frustrated. And there's talent here. You talk to scouting people on the team. There's talent on this team. <laughs> I know, Danny, you made a great point. It was a great point. So I that's, want to see something new. That's buy, really interesting, that Brian. Right? Yeah, I, I had
0: not – I had not thought about that yeah. mm-hmm. as like potentially – he leaves on a happier note. It may not be a fairy tale ending, but
2: if they if they had lost the Eagles five straight and then the the rest of the season they end up like with an eight game losing streak or losing like seven of eight, then I do think there was a potential for coaching change that was not up to him. hmm. I do feel like that's now. I agree with Dana. I think that's probably like very unlikely. I don't think they're going to lose three straight. I I don't, I would be, maybe they do. I don't think they will. I think, I think the odds are they're probably going to win all three of those games. I'll
1: tell you, there's one game that really concerns me. Which exactly which it is Arizona. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Watching Bobby Wagner try to run against Kyler Murray. And Jamal, if he's back, that could be a problem for this defense. And they're they're a scrappy team, but that one matchup
0: is – Sorry, I had to show that up on the screen. I did that. I was
1: like, I don't think I
2: clicked on that. I did it. I I did it.
1: (laughs) Picturing Bobby by week 18 trying to run with Kyler, uh, that brings me a lot of nerves.
0: So I'll add it, I'll add an additional element here. Um I the Seahawks have lost the two games that I've gone to this year. Okay. Rams and oh, Niners God. consecutive weeks. And I am literally th- I'm deciding in the next hour and a half if I'm gonna go to the Cardinals game in Arizona with a couple of people. Should I buy tickets for this? Hell yeah. No. yeah. Hell yes. Hell yeah. yes.
2: Yes. Absolutely. <sighs> I I, I have no I have zero superstition about this Seahawks team zero (laughs) so like I don't believe you have any power over what's gonna happen and I actually I feel differently than you two about that game I I don't I'm not the Seahawks have already beaten the Cardinals yes they had a different quarterback I don't have I don't actually have a ton of respect for Kyler Murray as a quarterback and so the Seahawks have been able to beat him in the past and We'll see. We'll see. I, 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 I'm not as worried. I thought, and that's where we're going to turn our attention. At, if you guys can stick around for another five, ten minutes, yeah, I got lots of time. Yeah. Uh, about the Titans. I thought the Titans would be the toughest of the three games. It's away, Christmas Eve. Uh you know, 10 a.m. They've done pretty well, but you do have to travel back to the East, east uh, again. And I'm sitting here looking at. It was going to be Will Levis, but now it's like Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill threw for 350 yards against the Seahawks last time they played. Derrick Henry, who while he's not the guy he used to be, is still top 10 in the NFL in run, rushing yards. He had 180 yards against the Seahawks last time they played. They couldn't bring him down. If they can't tackle Christian McCaffrey, how are they going to do against Derrick Henry? Then I started thinking about Jeffrey Simmons. Great defensive tackle. Great name. Um, and you start looking at this group and I'm like, that's not a good team, but that's a challenging, but then Jeff, I actually started looking at, oh my God, they lost their left tackle recently. They're throwing out some free agent, like undrafted free agent there. That's doing terribly their line play. Like the, the Titans used to be known for their offensive line and it's just awful right now. Skaronsky, the guy that we were very high on, has not played very well this season. Um, Defensively, Jeffrey Simmons has been out the last couple of weeks, and it's looking like he probably will not play in this game. They also just lost their other defensive tackle. I think it's Pecco, or I can't remember his, his, his name, but he just went on IR. So they're playing two no-name defensive tackles. They traded Kevin Byard, although the guy playing for him is playing a little bit better than he was. Their cornerbacks are bad. I'm like, am I crazy to think that this is going to be a tough game? Like, if Geno Smith can play, is this a win? Is it is it that straightforward or is it more complicated than that?
1: I think it's that straightforward. Um, historically, this is the kind of team that would give the Seahawks that we've been the last few years kind of a softer finesse team, a ton of trouble. Like we saw that two years, three years ago. This is a really different Titans team. That team back then had AJ Brown, and they had like a huge reception from Julio Jones in that game. And Derrick Henry had zero yards last week. Zero. What? Zero yards last week. That's crazy. They lost to Case Keenum without CJ Stroud. Um, And Will Levis was the one thing that was kind of uplifting the team in the last. They were getting killed by Miami. Levis had like the crazy stretch to win that game. Levis got hurt last game, and. It's just a really – they made that horrible A.J. Brown trade, and they just haven't recovered. They're very weak. And now they become weak in the guts, like you said. They're in that bottom quadrant with, like, the Giants and the Panthers. If you're ranking the worst offensive lines in the league, the Titans are in that quadrant. And the Mike Vrabel Titans have been, like, that physical, tough, kick your ass in the trenches. And then you take their defensive linemen out. This is a very different team. They have DeAndre Hopkins, who – a, Woolen's a really good matchup for him, actually. So they're, they're very – He played him last year really well and they're just Ryan Tannehill is probably going to start. He's fine. They don't have the players that typically beat you up in the middle of the field. And that's where the Seahawks are so vulnerable in defense right now. Yeah. So vulnerable when they were just like throwing to Dallas Goddard and being in the game. So I do think the Seahawks match up really well earlier, like last year, this team, even two years ago, this team would have given this Seahawks team a ton of trouble, but they're just, they're just not there. They're, of all the teams I watched, like this is the team I probably watched the least because they're just so uninteresting. They don't have, they, they know they have the guy with my name and other than that, who are their good players?
2: Yeah. I mean, Levis was, it was interesting and Levis Dana was really fun. He he was fun and, right. and a missed opportunity for the Seahawks. I don't know. I don't know if I would say that I wish that they spent their JSN pick on Will Levis, but uh, I would have hated it at the time. Um, But Levis looks like an interesting player. Dana, Mm -hmm. the Titans, even with this, like Levis injury is new. Mm -hmm. That is different. But they've won two of their last four and two of the four that they lost were in overtime. Uh, And they're four and three at home. Even though they're a five and nine team, they have played much better at home than they have on the road. Do you think this game is, how close do you think this, this matchup is for the Seahawks?
3: Well, I was looking over the Titans schedule and, you know, occasionally they have these crazy games where they keep themselves in, but they've also scored 16 points four times total. Another time, 15, another time, 14. They, they don't put up a ton of numbers and they turn the ball over. So if Gino is there, I, I think that it's not hard to score more than 14 to 16 points to beat a team. Um, I, although I do think it's a team that needs to be somewhat respected just because I, I have a lot of respect for Derrick Henry, obviously, you know, and our run defense isn't always that great, but their line is such a disaster. I mean, look at that hit Levis took. They got him the concussion. It was all in his line. That was a mess, right? Seventh,
2: seventh sack. I think it was, yeah, mm-hmm.
3: it was insane. And so I think that, um, that this is a game that I, I was asked earlier today, if I thought this was a trap game. And I said, no, that Seattle's, I, I really think Seattle's past trap games at this point, they know what they have to do to get to the playoffs. They're what five teams at seven and seven. And so they know they have to win out in order to get there. So I'm not worried about them not being up for this game. Um, if Hopkins, you know, has, a great game that could give us some, some problems, but I just don't see Gino not score. And I say Gino, cause if it's drew lock, I, I think we have a little bit more of a worry, but if Gino is there, I don't see him not being able to outscore this team.
2: Yeah. Evan, how, how devastating would it be? Like uh, devastating is maybe the wrong word emotionally for you, but how much of a, screw up would it be if the seahawks drop this game against the titans
0: i wouldn't mind it at all actually i'm being dead serious too was that a trap question
2: no curious
0: i mean I, i don't expect them to drop it i expect them to win this is not a good like football team they're haven't they been eliminated from the playoffs i'm pretty sure oh yeah already like they're not good jeff mentioned it they have one of the worst offensive lines of football they gave up like eight sacks last weekend to the texans um this could be Boye mafe has kind of been gone for a little bit now maybe maybe he pulls off a sack or two this game maybe draymond jones i don't know um my question for you guys though is would you rather face levis or ryan Tannehill? Tannehill. Tannehill. anybody yeah. disagree i'm kind of surprised to hear that
3: at the same time, they both turned the ball over. I mean, they. I mean, here's the thing with Levis. He came out right and and was a nice little spark for that team. He he looked good, and of course, the commentators are like, they found their franchise quarterback. Well, we don't know that because it's always whenever you get a backup or a new kid, right? It it takes a few games to adjust to them. So I think that they have plenty of film on him now. But Tannehill's been sitting a while, right? And maybe that motivates him or maybe he's like, screw it. I'm not with this team next year anyway. What the hell do I care?
0: I'm so annoyed though. Can I just say like, I'm so annoyed that this game is on Christmas Eve because I've, I've never been to Nashville and I really want to visit that city and it wasn't going to happen on Christmas. So
1: we got
0: to go. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah,
2: I want wanted, I really wanted to go too. And I actually was talking to my buddy who was like all in on going. And I told him last week, I was like, on one hand, I'm really bummed that we're not going to be in Nashville because it would be great to to experience that. On the other hand, I'm so glad that I haven't turned my life upside down to go watch this team play on the road uh, on Christmas Eve. Like, I, I don't feel that invested in this team. They have not earned – Like, I will always be a Seahawks fan. I'm like Dana. I will always cheer for them to win even when I'm like annoyed with them. But I don't feel that invested in this team. Um, there's a little bit of like little bit of something that the that, that, that Cowboys game gave me. It's not even the Eagles game, but the Cowboys game I was like, OK, that I could get into. If you show me that kind of potential and that kind of expertise at the offensive side of this, the ball, and then you got Leonard. Give me a little Leonard Williams. Give me a little Devin Witherspoon. Cool. That I could get into Drew Locke having trouble completing a pass and barely getting to 20 points against a t- terrible Eagles defense. I'm happy they won. I am absolutely happy they won. But I'm like, I did not enjoy that game that much. <laughs> like, I mean, can
0: I just gut check with you guys like all emotionally, psychologically? Yeah. Are you guys like ancient anxious like during these games or or pre pre-game? Like do you have that sort of anxiety? Because I used to have that, like, oh, you know, I, a 10 a.m. game. I'm up at like 5 a.m. and I'm, you know, pacing around the house like sweating. You know what I mean? I have not had that with the Seahawks team.
1: No, I went out the door for me with the the Rams game. The Rams game to me was where they just killed any emotion I had left.
0: It was a it was a turning point of this season.
1: Oh, yeah, that's really a game. Was. That's a game, that takes a lot to lose, and they I' was
2: so mad at that game. That's what
1: I mean. I was that killed any. Brian's really upset with the heavy Jason Myers that that was at play during the stadium. super
2: Jason win. Myers that fucker. No. Dana. I'm curious, you were kind of nodding along. Are you mm-hmm. feeling similarly?
3: Well, I to be quite honest with you, it's been a few weeks since I've gotten to watch a game live and that always makes life a little bit easier. But no, I, I'm not at this point because again, in my mind, like I said before, it doesn't really change anything, right? At this point. So it does kind of take that pressure off um I want to see them do well. I want the I want I call them the kids, but the rookies and the young the young players to to play well and get that experience. But the anxiety of oh my god, we have to win this game because then this is next. That that's kind of gone this season for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Hopefully like I can see I can see the outline of that coming back. Mm-hmm. If they if they win these in the last three games and they do it playing well. Like, especially on offense, I think we'll all feel very different going into the playoffs. I think if they win uh, two playoff games, not just one, but they win two playoff games and they're in like the NFC championship or whatever, like, I'm serious. I don't think that's as as crazy as that sounds. I don't think that's like a, a wildly...
3: And that's because of the NFC this year. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. they have an offensive ceiling that's really high.
0: Oh, I'll be—I will completely lose it. I, I'll be completely unhinged. I'll be talking about the Ravens, you know, wild card year as like a as a comparison to us. It, that would that would It'll be, be fun.
2: It would be fun. Yeah. I'd like to have more fun.
1: Yeah, all yeah, like of it for me right now is just how much I don't like watching our defense. <laughs> You pull Devin Witherspoon off this team right now, mm-hmm. and there's just such few difference makers on the team. But then how do
2: you explain this? We like They, they did play pretty – like holding the Eagles to 17 is not the worst performance.
1: No, it wasn't, but I think a lot of that was Eagles inflicted. Like they, Jalen Hurts was just running free, and like they were making odd decisions, like throwing deep when they needed 10 yards to get into field goal range. When they were just, draw? Like, yeah, when they were just attacking the middle of the field and running – it just, it still feels so hopeless when you pull, you just pull Witherspoon out, and there's just not a lot of difference makers. Yeah. Williams has been really, really good. But you look across the defense, it's Jaron Reed, it's Draymond Jones. They have no Daryl Taylor, Bobby. So um, Julian Love was a difference maker, but I don't think you would call him one historically. And then Witherspoon is a difference maker. And Jamal, when he's healthy, can be.
0: You know what they need to do in the final three weeks that is not game-related? They need to sign Leonard Williams to a fucking extension before free agency. And I'm not even kidding. Mm -hmm. Like, they need to give him an offer. Maybe they sweeten it a bit, but you do not let him enter free agency. You do not let the Niners start calling him. You do not let the Rams Mm -hmm. start calling him he has been he's been a he's been a difference maker for for this defense and you know he he generated pressure and was disruptive on monday night and he's been one of this defense's you know top leaders like they've they traded a, a freaking second round pick for him they got to they got to secure him as part of their future and i that's one thing i'd like to see like in the next 3 weeks is get him in the
2: bowl. i think that's another reason to cheer for them to win he yeah, came yeah. here to win he's not going to stick around if they lose these games so, keep That's that it. in mind. Yeah. All right, folks. Let's get to predictions, and I'll we'll wrap up with that. Uh, Evan, I'm coming to you first. So, let's do it. what is this final score of this game going to be?
0: I think uh, Gino goes off, uh, and the reason being, uh, this offensive line is starting to look like they might be healthy. And they played, what was it, 100% of snaps together uh, last week for the third time this year or something like that. So they've got both tackles back, which is big. Um, I think think, uh, they score 31 points and the Titans score 10. I think it's a blowout, 31-10, Seattle.
3: Dana. 27-16. They like 16. They like that number. I'm just going to roll with it. 2716, and I do think that it'll be Gino that plays. It sounds like that's what's going to happen, and and I think that, I think that when you were talking about Williams earlier, I got a little giddy giddy because I'm like, he's going to sack that quarterback so many times. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for a game that I can just smile and laugh through the whole thing.
2: That would be nice. That would. <laughs> Jeff, score this game.
1: Um, I can't quite pick the blokes with this team right now. I- I need to see Gino be healthy in play. So I'm going to say 23-16. Okay. I think the Seahawks do win the game. I think it's going to be a little closer than it needs to be. I think this is a game where DK can do really, really well. And I, I think DK is really, since the Washington game, he's been like taking over these fourth quarter at the end of the game. And we've been hard on DK this year, and it's been a really good development to see him. start with the Washington game. He should have done it in that Rams game where Myers misses the kick and they blow that one play. And this game, again, I think this is a game where they just don't have corners who can cover him. And if Gino's getting him the ball, I think this is a game you can really see him dominate. And it was really cool to see Kenneth Walker. I think this is a game where he can, if he's healthy, I know he missed practice today with the shoulder. He looked like a, the guy from last year. He looked like a difference maker. And all year we haven't seen that guy. And that can really open things up. I think Devin Singletary ate those guys up last week, and Walker's just a totally different level.
2: Yeah, that was. That was a really fun performance to watch from Kenneth Walker. One of one of his most electric performances for sure. Here's the thing for me, folks. This if Gino's playing, this should be a comfortable win. This should be. And I went in thinking it shouldn't be. But as I looked at the matchup and I looked at the players that are missing for Tennessee, who knows on their end? They had like 14 guys miss practice today. And I don't know if some of that's just you know, gamesmanship, but I know a lot of them are out. I know they got a bunch of guys that are on IR now. They just lost their starting quarterback. I think Tannehill's a little bit of a wild card. He'll certainly be wanting to come and make a point that he still should be a starter, and you'll see that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. I think this game should be 30-13 to Seahawks. It should be, and that's what I'm going to go ahead and predict. But this is why my question for you, Evan, was about, like, how hard would it be if they don't win is I feel like that's, that's how it should have been with the Rams. Now the Rams are a little bit different for a lot of reasons, but this team has not earned. In fact, it's in the opposite of earning any trust with any kind of matchup. So last week against the Eagles was the first time all year. I had this strong feeling that they were going to win. Turned out they did. I, I was. I thought Gino was going to play, <laughs> so I feel even more confident. If Gino had played, they would have won more comfortably. But they got to do this, man. They got to. They don't have to just win this game. They should win this game comfortably. And if they don't, I'm going to be annoyed. I'm, when was the last
0: time a Pete Carroll led Seahawks football team? Was expected to beat a far uh, inferior football team by quite a few points, and did so. A sizable Giants game. Okay, so before that, when was the most recent game? It doesn't happen frequently.
1: They did it a couple times. They did it in that stretch last year where they won four in a row. Mm -hmm. But then they immediately.
0: I'm just saying the Seahawks team
1: does that's not- why I that's why I picked 2316. yeah I think it's I think it's a
2: totally f- I think that's really fair. I can't I can't go based off of this team never does what they're supposed to do so I'm gonna pick something else. I look at these teams I look at the players, I look at how they're playing and I'm like this should be a clear Seahawks victory. Let's let's friggin see it. Let's see it this weekend. And let's hope Devin Witherspoon did not practice today. He's, he was moving around pretty good on the sidelines last week for such a hit pointer problem. So I'm hoping that we see him in this game. That would be fun. And if they uh, lose, Brian. Well, you're going to get a fun post game show for me uh, before I head out on our our family trip next week. But yeah, uh, season's over if they lose this game. I know there's folks playoff things. It's an AFC loss, and as long as they win the last two and are nine and eight and beat the Cardinals and have an NFC record of seven and five, they still got a shot. But I don't. Even, that doesn't even matter. It's like you can't lose these games when you have this much of an advantage. You cannot lose these games.
0: You can't lose to a four win team. You just can't.
2: That's, yeah. like, down sure. all their best players other than Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins. Like, every other good player is not going to play.
1: Yeah, yeah I and mean, they're in Cabo mode. They're they're there combo mode? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they want to get out of here. Like, they've had a shit year. Their quarterback's injured. Like... That Just show
2: up. Just show up.
3: Cabo you know? mode. I the
1: Seahawks, uh, if there's any momentum rule or... Like if you can't build off that win, where you're in a playoff race all of a sudden and beat up this team, then I'm I'm with Brian. Like the season's over. Like why care about that?
2: Yeah. On that note, folks, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB on Twitter, Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG, and Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons. We have a few short days till we see if this season's going to get a little bit more interesting. Uh, until then, give the show a like, click subscribe, and go to patreon.com slash hogblogger where you too can join our Slack channel and support charity. We've donated over $260,000 to charity. You can help do more. Patreon.com slash hogblogger. See you all after the game Sunday. Hey folks, this is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe, have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then. If you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month, get you immediate access to our Slack channel, join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention, become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the Tate morning after articles are there every week hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.